This is Sportsnet Today with Riley Pollock and Patrick Dumas. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Ah, yes. Iron Maiden run, run to the hills. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. Busy next hour for you. Spring training just around the corner. And Blue Jays have been quite busy this offseason. We'll get a little 2021 preview with Tom Dakers of SB Nation's Bluebird Banter. Had a little trade today, Riley. Uh, Ryan Dezingle going back to Ottawa. How are you doing? Doing all right. You know, the wisdom teeth came out this week, so uh, might be a little lispy as I try and pronounce my S's, but we're going <laughs> to battle through it because I'm excited to talk some sports. Love it. First, it's a Calgary Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. Flames play game two of four. Set with uh, the Vancouver Canucks tonight. It's an 8 p.m. start right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. And that's where we'll start joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Ryan Pike of Flames Nation. How's your hockey day in Canada treating you? Ah, so far, so good. I mean, you know, it's, it's the first game. I'm trying to pace myself. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, Winnipeg and Ottawa are having themselves a nice little hockey game. So it's, uh, I can think of much worse uh, ways to spend a Saturday. Agreed. It's still cold outside, and this is a great game between the Jets and the Senators. Let's get into it. Some lineup notes. Could we see Connor Mackey making his NHL debut tonight? All indications are pointing that way. Uh, our, our colleague uh, Kevin Woodley of uh, Ingold Magazine is on the ground in uh, Vancouver, and he was at Morning Skate, and his reporting was uh, that uh, Flames defenseman Nikita Nesterov and Oliver Shillington were sort of the late guys out on morning skate uh, doing extra skating. And generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, it's the healthy scratches that end up uh, doing the extra skate. So, you know, based on Connor Mackey being one of the six defensemen who is off before those guys, you know, it's, it's all indications are it's pointing in that direction. Uh, Jeff Ward, especially this season when they're playing so many games against a handful of opponents, has been really hesitant to confirm any lineup notes. He didn't proclaim a starting goaltender, even though most of us think it'll be Jacob Markstrom. And he didn't indicate any changes, even though at the time he was speaking with us, it was becoming obvious that Connor Mackey might be taking his first initial twirl. So, you know, in, until until it's on the lineup card, nothing's official, but yeah. it's really pointing in that direction. And, you know, it's kind of cool because Mackey's been sort of the de facto seventh guy this year. Uh, he's been getting on the taxi squad and being activated as sort of the in-case-of-emergency guy for basically a third of the season so far. So it'd be kind of cool to sort of see him get a spot because, you know, when when you go out and you sign really highly touted uh, college prospects, you don't sign them with the idea that you're going to keep, you know, it's like buying buying a cool car. You don't buy one just to keep it in the garage. You want to take it mm-hmm. out for a spin every now and then. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it's definitely pointing in that direction. Yeah, like the Flames obviously believe in him. He was uh, with them in the bubble in Edmonton. Now, for fans that didn't get to see Mackie uh, down in the NCAA, what does he bring to the Flames? Like, what can he? What is his potential to be on this team? Um, I would I would call him a poor man's Noah Hannafin, and that's no insult intended to either gentleman. Uh, Noah Hannafin's been fantastic this year. Mackie might not have the the dynamism that uh, that Hannafin can have, but you know he's he's. You know, a big body. He's six two, hundred and ninety pounds. You know, he's got some good a good base to him, and he's just sort of a solid player in all three zones. He, you know, he, one of the reasons why he was such a a good college player is that he's just a steady, reliable guy with some offensive upside. So we'll see what he does. But you know, he's a he's a rock solid left shot defenseman who probably at the very least would be you know a reliable third pairing guy, and maybe he has higher upside than that. Okay, the Flames are going for their fourth straight win tonight. 
What are you seeing differently from them during this uh, three-game streak? Well, I, th- I think they're. I think they've been better at making adjustments. They're, you know, they they've played during this string one really complete game against Winnipeg, where I thought was yeah. probably one of their one or two best games of the season in terms of showing up on time, playing a solid first period, and then building. Uh, but, but I think they've been good at the last little while. Like, you know, the the win against Edmonton, they scored early and then they just got shelled the rest of the period. But they didn't get they didn't take on too much water. And against uh, Vancouver, like they were expecting on Thursday to face a, a really desperate Vancouver team because the Canucks had lost five in a row. And the Flames sort of expected that, you know, Vancouver would throw everything in the kitchen sink at them just because they're a desperate club who, you know, if you lose too often, pretty soon, you know, your, your team's going to make some changes. So the Flames were sort of back on their heels a bit, uh, both against Edmonton and against Vancouver. And I think then the smart thing they did was they just sort of made adjustments based on what the other team was doing. And, you know, I, I'm sure everyone would much rather the Flames sort of dictate, you know, say we're playing the game this way and then sort of dictate from the opening puck drop. Um, for, for whatever reason, this group has never really been that kind of a team. But they've been, you know, when they're on, they're one of the better teams at sort of reading coverage, reading four checks, and then sort of adjusting. And I thought, you know, as the game went on against Vancouver on Thursday, they got better and better because they just sort of figured out ways to adapt to what Vancouver is doing and use it to their advantage. And, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple games because playing a desperate team like Vancouver four times in succession, what can they use from Thursday's game and the adjustments they had to make on Thursday to give themselves a better chance at having a good start? Because, you know, I'm, I'm sure the Flames would love to, you know, have a, a lead or, or a one or two goal lead coming out of the first period once in a while because, you know, it's it's tough chasing the game stuff yeah. as they are. Yeah, and Vancouver is a dangerous team. If you give them the chances, they can make you pay. Uh, does a, a guy that got roughed up probably from maybe the media from fans early on was was the play of Mark Giordano. I find he's been finding his footing. That whole pairing with him and Rasmus Anderson has been better during this win streak. Do you agree that Gio's starting to find his footing? Oh yeah, and and I think you know we we were actually talking with uh, with Jeff Ward this morning about the after morning skate. With you know I was asking about the idea of load management uh, because you know you know Merchardano is thirty seven years old. He's the oldest player on the team by a fair margin, and he's uh, I believe something like the seventh or eighth oldest player in the entire NHL. Wow. So he's in incredible shape. He takes better care of himself than pretty much 90% of the human population does. Uh, eventually time catches up with you, but I think they, they've been smart in terms of, you know, they've been leaning on Hannafin and Tanev a bit more than they would have in, in other years to sort of keep Jordan fresh. And, you know, they've been using guys like, you know, Yusuf Alamaki and they heat a nest drop to kill penalties. And traditionally, you know, you don't really use your third pairing for much of anything because they're the third pairing and they're not as good as the other two pairs, but in an effort to, sort of you know do load management Rasmus Anderson's been on the first unit power play and he's been spending most of his time you know getting the first power play reps and so I think that's part of a continuing effort by the Flames to keep Giordano fresh because when Giordano's on his game he's the best defenseman they have and I think this is still a team that you know from a lot of ways sort of takes their emotional cues on the ice from their captain and when he's on the ice and he's on his game, he can do a lot to really change the the composition of how a game is going. So uh, he's been better. I don't think he's been quite Norris caliber yet, but I thought he was really struggling in the bubble at times. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. first few games, he didn't really seem like he was sort of completely caught up to the pace of play. But the last few games, you know, especially, you know, the last game against Vancouver, he's been very, very good. And I think, you know, I think the big question is, you know, 
is it can he get back to Norris caliber? I'm not sure, but can he get to very good NHL defense in Calgary? Because if they can get another, you know, he's got two years left in his current deal. If he can get, you know, be an above average to quite good defenseman yeah. into his late, late thirties, that's incredible found money for the flames. And it allowed them to really help bring along some of their younger guys and give them a chance to really succeed in the future. I agree. I think that, the whole defense has been a lot better during this win streak, and uh, it starts uh, with Geo for sure. Last one from me. Uh, Jacob Pelche, you're into the prospects. You know what's happening. Uh, he's the, currently playing with Valdor in the queue. He's got 18 points in 13 games. He's among one of the only top prospects on the Flames currently playing in North America. What have you made from his game since uh, heading over from Moncton at the trade deadline? Well, I'll say this, you know, Valda Ward, I, I spoke to their coaching staff uh, during during the pause, uh, and the begin- right before the beginning of the season. They were tickled to get him because, you know, in, in within the QMJHL community, he's just an exceptional player. He, mm-hmm. you know, he's been a contender for the most sportsmanlike player in, the, uh, in that league last couple of years. He's, you know, regularly one of their better two-way players, one of their better offensive players. And, you know, he's he's a guy that, you know, a lot of people, you know, myself included, sort of can look ahead in the crystal ball a year from now and go, oh, man, can you imagine a guy that's that good as a two-way player and plunk him next to Michael Backlund for a year and let that be his sort of transition into the NHL? And, you know, Pelche is just good. He He's not a, a big dude. He's, you know, generously listed as 5'7 or 5'8. He's not big. He's kind of a, got a slight frame, but he's wiry and he's smart and he's, you know, he's one of those players that, you know, he barrels into the corners and he used the speed in his footwork to really, you know, we, we saw the world juniors where, you know, he was a tremendous four checker and that's just how he plays the game. He He's a little guy that doesn't play little because, you know, he has confidence in his ability to sort of wiggle his way out of trouble if a bigger, scarier dude comes at him. So, you know, he's definitely going to come out to, you know, he's going to have a, a good, a good finish the year in Quebec. I, I'm, I'm sure of it based on his, on his, uh, his mm-hmm. uh, history to this point. And then we'll see, because he's one of those guys where when the flames open camp in September, you know, he, he'll be eligible to go back to the queue as an overager, but there's no chance in that happening. He'll be going pro next year. And he's one of those guys where you can potentially see him, hop over the AHL as a development tool and go straight to the NHL because he's got the the hockey sense and the savvy and just the flat out playing ability to come in and potentially help the flames very quickly. Exactly. I was going to say, uh, we don't know exactly what's happening with Stockton's schedule as we move on into the spring, but is it a possible he could be on Stockton once the queue wraps up and then potentially on the flames for playoffs this year? Potentially. I mean, you know, the, the, the way the playoffs uh, playoff rosters work is uh, basically as long as a, te- a player is on your reserve list as of mm-hmm. the trade deadline, like they just have to be drafted or assigned free agent by that point. So he's technically, he'll be eligible to play, I, but it's just a matter of, I think of how all the, the schedules wrap up. Cause you know, if you've been following uh, the QHL, the human QMJHL at all, like, you know, the new Brunswick teams are not playing at all right now because yeah, very of uh, COVID restrictions. <laughs> and they've been doing, you know, the, the clever thing that the Q has been doing is they've been sort of doing a series of bubbles. Sort of every couple of weeks, they do another bubble environment with every every team gets to sort of knock out six games in a row. So it's kind of it's kind of sporadic. And 
I'm not really, to be honest, I'm not really sure if they know exactly how their playoffs are going to look. So no. I think as we get closer to the end of the NHL season, and I think we'll get a better sense of what these junior leagues are looking at. And then, you know, for the Flames, you know, I think he's definitely a guy that would be on their radar because, you know, he was he he was one of a couple of guys like himself and Connor Zary and Justin Wolf were the only prospects in camp that weren't going to be playing pro hockey all this year so that speaks to how highly the Flames think of those three players and in particular you know Pelche and Zary who you know both those guys could potentially help them very quickly we're speaking with Ryan Pike of Flames Nation Riley Pollock Ryan, it's uh, round four of Markstrom versus the Canucks tonight, and it has been all Jacob Markstrom so far, giving up just three goals on 95 shots so far. Why is it that Markstrom has been able to be so good against the Canucks? Is it is it because he has their number? Or is it something else? Is it just because he's a great goalie? What's it been? I think it's a combination of things. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys wearing the Canucks sweaters are guys he's seen shots from before. So I think there's a certain uh, familiarity and confidence in sort of facing guys you faced numerous times in practice. But I think it's also just he's a he's a confident guy and he is sort of you know he's sort of this quiet confidence about him. Sort of I, I I've compared him to uh, to friends of mine sort of the way that Mika Kiprasov was when he was in Calgary in the sense that, you know, Mika did not really get riled up by anything. He wasn't somebody who was going to, you know, really show much emotion, but, you know, that lack of emotion, that coolness, that confidence sort of bleeds through to everyone else on the ice with him. Because if you're playing in front of a guy that's that stone cold at any given time, it's going to give you the confidence knowing that if I screw up, this guy is going to have my back and he's going to do everything he can to stop it. And then he's not going to be rattled by it. You know, you're not going to, you know, completely throw off your goalie's rhythm by blowing some coverage and giving up a scoring chance. So, you know, if you're, if you're him, it gives, you know, gives you confidence that these guys are going to be, you know, doing whatever they can in front of you to lower the amount of good chances. And if you're his teammates, you're thinking, okay, well, I can, do what I need to do and not second guess myself because the guy behind me, I've got confidence that he's going to be able to make the save. Now, it was probably Markstrom that won that game for them a couple nights ago, or very much so him. What can the rest of the team do tonight that will help him out a bit that maybe they didn't do a couple nights ago? I, I would say, uh, first, I would say maybe adjust to the Canucks in the first five minutes instead of, you know, taking about 25, 30 minutes to do it. Uh, you know, the Flames are really happy with their second half of the game, uh, especially that third period where they were playing a team who were trailing at home and they managed to outchance and outshoot them. Like, that doesn't happen a lot. That's, that shows that the Flames took over the game as it went along. Uh, on the other hand, you know, they took over the game because I think the Canucks sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, punched themselves out in the first half of the game because they were throwing so much at the Flames, I think they might have run out of gas a bit. So if you're the Flames, you know, you probably don't want to be absorbing that much early on. You probably want to be less of a counterpunch team and more of a proactive team. Yeah, fair enough. I'd have to agree with you there. Um, in terms in terms of the forwards, are the lines right now, do you see them as being the best that they have been in terms of, you know, chemistry and uh, just their, their ability in the past few games since we've kind of seen Bennett move up? Uh, Byron Frey's come in. Is this is this the best group of forwards and the best they've played so far this season? 
I think so far, but uh, I'm curious to see what kind of tinkering they do because, you know, uh, Pat and I were talking about this on, on uh, the Facebook Live thing we do for Flames Nation. Uh, you know, the last game we saw Dylan Dubé sort of drop down to the fourth line and Josh Lebo sort of jump up to, the, to play with Lindholm and Kachuk. And potentially, you know, I, as much as you don't want to see a young guy get demoted to the fourth line, I, you know, with the Flames rolling four lines as much as they can, I kind of like the idea of seeing if, Dylan Dubé can drive a line on his own because, you know, we know Kachuk and Lindholm are very good. And to a certain degree, it might not matter who you plunk with them. They might get some good results regardless. So you can, you know, to, to keep developing Dubé as a, a top flight NHL. And I think long-term the Flames see him as a, a top six player, you know, because a, they're going to lose somebody to expansion and B probably there's not enough money to keep everybody long-term. They need to keep developing. So there's going to be a spot opening up soon. And if you think Dubé can be that guy, maybe you do want to put him with someone like Fraze and Nordstrom for a little bit and see if Dubé can sort of elevate that line a bit. Because if there's a black hole in the Flames forward lines right now, it's, it's the, the fourth line because, you know, Nordstrom, you know, on, regardless of who they put him with, Nordstrom with Lyon, Nordstrom with Fraze, Nordstrom with whoever, they just haven't been able to drive play. But if you have somebody with the the chops and the pedigree that is Dylan Dubé, you know, he's he's been a tremendous player at basically every level he's played at, maybe you want to give him a bit of a challenge and say, hey, we're going to plunk you with these guys for three, four games, see what you can do with them. Just a couple more from me with Ryan Pike of FlamesNation.ca. Ryan, Johnny Goudreau's looked dangerous offensively in almost every game he's played in so far. And last season, he really there was lots of games where he he didn't look that dangerous. What do you think the key to this turnaround has been from uh, last season to this for Goudreau so far? I think to a certain degree, last year was sort of the bounces. Like he, you know, his personal shooting percentage plummeted a bit to a career low, and you know, just him in general, his line just didn't get the puck bounces that they did in the past. But I think to a certain degree, you know, psychologically, not getting the bounces and not being a guy who can score when you know, to every point in that career, like every level that Johnny Guerrero has been at from the USHL to college to the NHL, he's been a very consistent offensive player. I think on a certain level, not being able to, to get everything to go the way it had in the past, it, it might sort of weight on him mentally. And I think, you know, the speaking to a lot of high end players, the worst thing you can do on the ice is think, you know, you might not just do it. And I think a lot of times last year seeing, you know, he would sort of double clutch at times. He would sort of hold on to the puck too long and sort of, figure out his options and I think it made it a lot easier for teams to sort of zero in on him because you know he seemed to be a guy who to a certain degree had the yips but this year there are no yips this year it seems like he's just he's not thinking he's just playing and he's just making quick plays and making smart plays and I think the fact that he's able to to you know he's he's a tremendously smart hockey player he can process things he sees things on the ice that most people don't see you know from with replays and videos he can just think and play and I think when he when he's not spending the time, the extra half second, thinking about his options and sort of holding onto the puck, he's a tremendously dangerous player because by the time you know he has the puck, it's already on someone else's stick and in the net. So the short answer is I just think he's playing. I think he's, you know, whatever was going on last year, I think he's managed to sort of just cast it aside and clear his head. And now, you know, he's argue, you know, he's been one of the two or three most consistently dangerous players in the team. And when a guy who who's doing that for you can do it that consistently, it makes everyone else better because teams are going to be really worried about what Johnny Gaudreau is going to do on his next shift rather than thinking about who they're on the ice against. 
Ryan, buddy, thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight. Today, I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your hockey day in Canada and enjoy tonight's game. And what's new happening at uh, Flames Nation? Oh, a little of everything. We, In honor of uh, Milan Lucci showing in waivers, our, our Mike Gould has uh, done a uh, post uh, about, uh, you know, Milan Lucci just rolling the team because, you know, well, well James Neal is on waivers so that the Oilers can get some, uh, some cap wiggle room. Uh, Milan Lucci has been very, very good for the Flames uh, this year after kind of a slow start. So we figure, you know, uh, why not on hockey day uh, tip our caps to Lucic because he's he's been very valuable for the Flames this year. He's been very special for sure. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, you have a wonderful rest of your night. Take care, guys. There we go. Flames game day. We got the Flames and Canucks coming your way at 8 o'clock. Got game day live coming at 6. Warm up with Pat and Peter Labardius at 7. Update the... Jets and the Senators still 1-1. This one is late in the third period. You can watch it on Sportsnet West. Flames game day is brought to you by South Point Toyota. Our producer is Kyle Lauderdale. He is making the show happen from our downtown studio. Our Arconics, our Arconic studio, excuse me. Telecommunications, it's iconic. Contact them today at iconicec.ca pitchers and catchers are reporting around baseball over the next week we'll talk with tom dakers from sb nation's bluebird banter and talk a little jays you're listening to sportsnet today on sportsnet 960 the fan sportsnet today listen on the air online on the sportsnet app and always on your smart speaker sportsnet 960 the fan calgary Welcome back. It may still feel like Antarctica outside, but the boys are summer are nearing a return as pitchers and catchers reporting around the majors this next week with spring training getting fully underway next Sunday. Let's go do- back down our Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and talk to Tom Dakers from Bluebird Banter. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm inside, awesome. so I'm warm. It's good. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, it's good. Uh, good because it's still Antarctica outside. So the uh, Jays they released their list of non-roster invitees to spring training and included Joe Panic, who the club is yep. bringing back, and of course all the top prospects that aren't on the forty-man roster. If we think guys like Austin Martin and Jordan Groshans are still probably a year away, what are some roster battles that might intrigue you? Uh, mostly it'll be relievers out of this group. Yeah. Um, you probably see AJ Cole make the team as long as he as long as he looks okay in spring training. Um they got Francisco Lariano back after after he's been away for a few years. He's got a shot at being a lefty out of the pen. And Tim Mesa should be healthy again and he's a non roster invite and he could be a lefty out of the pen too. So that's really where the battles are gonna be. Yeah, it's good to get some guys that know the team back into the squad. Uh, now, with uh, regarding some prospects, Martin and Groshans, uh, are they? They're probably going to be starting in uh, New Hampshire, eh? Um, I think so. It, it's possible they might start in uh, Buffalo just because Buffalo is going to Triple A is going to start a month earlier than the other levels. Okay. It seems at the moment, anyway. They changed their mind on things fairly often lately, but it, uh, AAA should be starting in April, just like the majors, and then the other levels probably will be starting in May, just for COVID reasons, I guess. Of course. 
Yeah, well, let's stay. We'll stay with the uh, realignment talk. The MILB, the Minor League Baseball, they came up with their 140 teams. You have Buffalo and AAA, New Hampshire and AA. Vancouver jumps up to High A, with Dunedin yep. fall to Low A. Now, what's your thoughts on uh, on the new realignment? Uh, I'm thrilled for Vancouver. You know, yeah. they're going to get full season ball, and it's it's a great place to watch the game. If if you've ever been out to Nat Bailey Stadium, there it's. It's a wonderful place to watch the game. I'm sad we lost Lansing just because I really yeah. like the play-by-play guy in Lansing. Uh, <laughs> just Jesse is just a wonderful fellow, very friendly. He's been great with our site, so I, I'll miss him. But but there, it's a money-saving thing. Yeah. I don't know why MLB wants to save money. They seem to print it. So, but that's what they're doing. I'm sad that they're, the PCL was no longer going to be called the PCL because they were the yeah. PCL like 120 years ago. So exactly. it ruins the history to me. But and, and I used to watch the PCL here in Calgary. Quite exactly. Bit, so. <laughs> Calgary Cannons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, the club has kept like an open dialogue with uh, Taewon Walker over the offseason. They looked really good in the six games last year. Now, if the Jays do add another middle of the rotation guy, would it be Walker that you're interested in bringing back, or would it be like maybe James Paxton, Canadian? You know, I'd love to see Paxton just because I think he's got a little higher ceiling. I think uh, you know he's he could be really good. Um, Walker would be kind of the more sure bet. Uh, Paxton's had injuries. He's you know Walker. Walker should be able to pitch through the season with no problem. Man, Walker looked really good for us this year, and he seemed to like being part of the team. He's He's been tweeting how much he enjoyed being part of the Toronto team. Mm-hmm. He's said how much he likes Toronto, even though I don't. he didn't get to play there this year, but he got to be there in other seasons. So, exactly. so I'd, I'd like one or the other or both if I had my pick i'd take paxton but but they don't consult me on all these things of course (laughs) and uh last one from me uh we saw like the schedule release with the with the start times we have the uh, i guess four o'clock mountain starts for uh the the early part now is that assuming they're going to be starting the season in dunedin and then kind of maybe hope and pray that they can be in toronto in the summertime (laughs) Um, they keep telling us different things because lately they've been talking about playing in Buffalo, which I really don't understand because the Bisons will be playing in Buffalo too yeah. and they'll have to arrange the schedule. But they have been talking about the uh, Buffalo as being a possibility for playing. But they built that nice new stadium in Dunedin. I can't mm-hmm. see why they wouldn't want to use it other than Florida's kind of radioactive with COVID right now. but. <laughs> Yeah, but the, they're the going to be there for, fall. yeah, and they'll be there for spring training anyway. Exactly. But uh, Dunedin is a smaller town. It might be harder for the players to find a place to live and be comfortable and and all that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's why they're talking about Buffalo. I'm hoping by the end of the season they can come back to Toronto because. Yeah, I was figuring it, it was around the end of the fall playoffs potentially when. 
we can you know get the vaccine out to everything we're talking to, to tom dakers from bluebird banter riley Tom, uh, what do you think realistic expectations are for this Blue Jays team this season in terms of standings? Standings, I think they, I think they should be in the playoff race. Um, the Yankees have a pretty good-looking team too, so so maybe a wild card sh- uh, spot is more more possible. But uh, they should be fun to watch. There's a lot of offense there. Um, they've improved the defense a lot over the summer with uh, picking or over the winter, picking up uh, George Springer to play center field and uh, Marcus Semyon to play second base. So their defense looks better than last year, but uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. They should put up a a lot of runs. They're like one through nine are, are all good offensive players. As long as the pitching can, sorry. No, not a problem. Yeah. Um, do you like if they didn't make the playoffs, but they were that fun competitive team? Do you think they're still young enough that it's not considered a failure? Or if they don't make the playoffs, is it uh, is it a failure in the eyes of the team and uh, most of the fan base? I don't think it'd be a failure because they they should still the core is very young. They should be able to make yeah. another step forward the next year. And the nice part is they'll have a ton of uh, financial flexibility again in the next off season. They they'll be able to add pieces that they need. Should be able to add pieces that they need again next year. So I think this year will be fun, and I think they should should challenge for a playoff spot for sure. But maybe the next year is the year we we look for for them to to get all the way. Fair enough. Uh, what are what are one or two players that you're maybe looking at to have a breakout season or take that next step with the big club this season? Uh, I really would want to see Alejandro Kirk take play more. We got to see him a little bit this year. He's uh, he's a catcher. He, he his bat is amazing. He's not a small man, but there's pictures of him coming to spring training this year, and he looks a lot uh, in a lot better shape than last year. But I, I really do want to see him swing the bat more, and he's going to push Danny Jansen to be better, I hope, or else Jansen won't be playing that much. Um, of course, I'm hoping Vlad has the breakout year that we've been waiting for. He's not really been a disappointment considering how young he is, but we we've been looking for him to take the next step. And of course he looks like he's in better shape again. We saw him play a little bit in the uh, Dominican's winter league there. And he, he's a fair bit thinner than he used to be. He's never going to be swelt or anything, but he, he looks better. I don't know. The the team had been talking about him playing third base, but I think first base is a better position for him. Um, and I do want to see Marcus Simeon play because uh, he's one of the big sign- signings this year. And and uh, if he, he plays the defense that he can at second and hits the way he can, we should it should be a lot of fun to watch him. And last one from me here. Uh... Where do you see the biggest roster hole on this team? I know they've gotten a lot better offensively. 
Uh, they brought some guys in for the middle infield spots. Is there a hole that you see on this team where uh, maybe they might be a little vulnerable? Yeah, start, starting pitching is still uh, – they need to add another arm for sure. We talked about it a moment ago, but after you get after you get by real – it's uh, Nate Pearson looks like the number two starter, and he only threw a handful of innings last year, and he's young, and and I'm sure they're going to want to cap his innings at some point, so he might not be able to pitch a full season. And after that, it's a bunch of guys that you're hoping will get better. Tanner Roke did not look great last year. Uh, they got Robbie Ray, who strikes out a lot of batters, but walks a lot of batters. And after that, there's three or four guys that are going to have to show they're good in spring training to earn a job. So hopefully one more pitcher would be nice, but but starting pitching looks to be the weak point. Thanks so much, Tom. Uh, all the best over at Bluebird Banter, and I hope you enjoy the season and uh, can't wait for spring training, man. It's the best time of year. Yeah, I, I got down to Dunedin a few years ago, and it's so much fun to watch. Unfortunately, can't go this, this year, year, but <laughs> next year. For sure, man. It's definitely on the bucket list. Again, stay warm. All the best. Take care. Thank you. There you go, Tom Dakers. You can follow him on Twitter, at Bluebird Banter. Love the work that he and the crew do over at SB Nation. The Flames, they've been on fire looking for four in a row tonight. And make sure you catch our Flames Roundup highlights twice a week, hosted by Pat Steinberg. Look for it on Sportsnet 960's Twitter, Facebook, and website. Brought to you by Brightside by ATB, a new banking app to help you spend and save for what you love. Well, the Jets lost... They lost uh, with 8.6 seconds left. The Senators get a big win, their third win of the year. We got one more segment on Sportsnet today. Got J.J. Watt. He's gone. Got a big, uh, decent trade in the uh, NHL today between Ottawa and Carolina. We'll get you caught up on the rest of the action around the NHL. This is Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Final segment on Sportsnet today. CFL free agency went down this week. J.J. Watt, no longer a member of the Houston Texans. Some NHL to get to before we say goodbye. We're going to start with the NHL today. Uh, 11 other games going on right now. One final Winnipeg Jets taking on the Ottawa Senators in the first part of Hockey Day in Canada. It was 1-1 through 40. And then with 8.2 seconds, Mr. Brady Kachuk. Big win for the Sens. They've been getting a lot better of late. Marcus Hogberg made 30 saves, getting his first win on the year. And the Senators, they made a trade today. Ryan Dezingle heading back to Ottawa. In exchange, Carolina receives Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric Paquette. First, I'll give you, like, Riley, what do you think of this trade? I think it's an all right trade. Galchenyuk really racking up the teams that he's played on early in his <laughs> career. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's... Kind of a, I don't know, it's a sideways deal in my opinion. I don't know, Carolina just looking for a little bit more depth yeah. as they're closer to being able to push for a playoff spot and uh, push for the cup way closer than Ottawa is. So maybe just looking for some depth and helps out both teams, I guess. Yeah, Galchenyuk traded for the fourth time and he's on his sixth team in nine seasons. I think what Carolina's getting with Paquette is 
some Stanley Cup experience. Like they think they're a cup contender this year. Paquette won a cup last year with the Lightning. He's been in a Stanley Cup final too, exactly. So like that's what they're getting there. And maybe they're just trying to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle with Galchenyuk. Maybe he can find some of his old form. It's it's been a tough ride for him. Yeah, it certainly has been. He's kind of a bust if you're if you're th- thinking about him being a third <laughs> overall pick. So maybe yeah, he can do like... something in in that depth role. And you know, if he puts the puck in the net ten to twelve times, then it's probably a good season for him on the uh, on the Hurricanes. I think so too. Ottawa getting Ryan Dezingle. He's got four goal or rather uh, four points in eleven games this season. Maybe they'll flip him for later. Who knows? To a to a contender, we'll see. Uh, CFL free agency went down. I want to get your thoughts on the Toronto Argonauts. It seems like they do this every offseason. They are the marquee city in Canada, quote-unquote, for Americans possibly to come up and play in the CFL. They've added they added Odell Willis. They got Kendall – what's it, Kendall? Oh, my God, Kendall Wright, uh, former first-round pick from the Tennessee Titans coming up this week. Like, Argo's thoughts? Well – their receiving core and their defensive line should be really, really good. They have Charleston <laughs> Hughes and Odell Willis. Um, they got Ronald Al- Ronald Ali, who is a last chance U star. He played a bit for the Raiders, but was cut. Shane Ray, another former NFLer that yeah. uh, they picked up this off season. They got Drake Nevis down there. Their D line should be good. Cordero Law, former Stamp, he's an absolute beast. So they they're deep. They are deep at the offensive line position for Eric sure. Rogers. A little old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, they're old for sure on the yeah. defensive line. You think of Charleston Hughes being thirty-seven, Odell Willis thirty-six. So maybe they rotate. I'm not too sure. Uh, and then yeah, their receiving core is nasty. They have Eric Rogers, like you said, Martavis Bryant, who's an absolute speed machine. You think the CFL game is made for him if he can, you know, stay in the league. Uh, Juwan Breskison, who's been unreal and a national player. So they've uh, they've de- they're definitely set at those two positions. Now we have to find out if they are set at the quarterback position, as it's. Uh, Looks like it's Nick Arbuckle's job to lose, but they also have Antonio Pipkin, who was pretty good mm-hmm. for the uh, Alouettes for a few games there too. So they're not really established at the quarterback position, I would say. But if if Nick Arbuckle can get those stud receivers the ball, uh, their offense could be pretty good. Their D line should control most trench games, and uh, I'm not really sure who's going to start for them at running back. They've got John White and Bishop Sankey yeah. there couple other guys so it'll be interesting to see maybe that race for the running back spot but uh definitely set at receiver and d-line now let's see if they can figure out the rest it'll be good for ryan dinwiddie and finally getting his opportunity hopefully to coach this year they are truly the toronto stampeders they made that joke on twitter earlier this week uh last point here the nfl news jj watt released from the houston texans mutually part of ways i should say three-time defensive player of the year I saw a tweet last night, Ed Werder from ESPN, he put out uh, some teams that are showing early interest in J.J. We thought the Steelers, obviously with the connection uh, to his brothers, Derek and T.J., uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns, that's an interesting one, and the Tennessee Titans with the the Mike Vrabel connection. I know there's been talk, you know, he's a Wisconsin guy. Green Bay would, it would help Green Bay on that D-line. It would make sure, because it would, take away what Preston Smith and Dean Lowry did this year, which was nothing. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on JJ Watt and maybe a, a destination. Well, 
Well, I'm glad he got out of there, honestly. Yeah. He, he deserves to chase a title, and uh, this team is going nowhere, so I'm glad he's out of there. But, uh, yeah, Green Bay would be cool for him. Um, I like I like the Titans pick, though, too. Stay in the, stay in the division yeah. and kind of just stick it to his old team. And Tennessee's already got a pretty decent defense, and you know how they are with the run game and... So he might he might be able to push him over the top on the defensive side. I, I kind of like the Titans. Titans would be a good spot. Uh, they definitely need the defensive help for sure. Uh, last one, Aussie Open. Uh, we have two Canadians left on the men's side of things. Milos Raonic, he's going up against Novak Djokovic. That match will be happening in the middle of the night. He's 0-11 against Djokovic. And uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime, the next great one, I believe. He's... Uh, Going up against the Russian qualifier Arvid Karvitsev, Arlen Karvitsev, I think is his name to be exact. So that one comes your way at 5:30 Calgary time. Riley, thank you uh, for Sportsnet today. Today, today, today. <laughs> Stay warm. Enjoy the game tonight. I know you're uh, working with Patty. And yes, we'll have uh, Flames game day live coming your way at six o'clock. Warm up at seven. Play by play at eight. You can listen to it right here, at Sportsnet 960. And watch it on the CBC and Sportsnet. Final thoughts, Riley? It's going to be a good game, I think. Uh, Markstrom needs to keep it together. I'm excited to see if Mackie makes his NHL debut tonight. Yeah. Looks like he will. Slotting in on that final pairing. Thank you for listening. This has been Sportsnet Today. Thank you to Kyle Lauderdale producing this wonderful program. He's great. You're listening to Sportsnet 960. The Fan, CBS Sports Radio, is next on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.